When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Dealing with pests can be a pain, but relax. Terminix can help. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix. With over 95 years of experience, they have what it takes to take on any pest problem fast. If your home or business has pests, don't stress it. Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com. What's up? This your boy Lil Duval. And check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. From UFOs to psychic powers and government conspiracies, history is riddled with unexplained events. You can turn back now or learn the stuff they don't want you to know. A production of iHeartRadio. Hello, welcome back to the show. My name is Matt. My name is Noel. They call me Ben. We're joined, as always, with our super producer, Alexis, codenamed Doc Holiday Jackson. Most importantly, you are you. You are here. That makes this the stuff they don't want you to know. It is the top of the week, and as is our want. Fellow conspiracy realist, we return to you from the weekend with some strange news. We're going to learn about volcanic eruptions. We're going to order some pizza. We're going to uh, go into the air and fly the friendly skies. But before we do that, just a quick update, just like 30 seconds as we were talking off air. Uh, you guys remember we talked about super pigs earlier? Of course. Mm-hmm. We just learned that Minnesota is bracing for a an invasion of feral or super pigs. And state lawmakers and several state agencies have started going into uh, (laughs) disaster modeling, like planning for widespread uh, poor sign invasions. Well, congratulations to y'all. Got to get those (laughs) elephant guns on the ready, you know, to (laughs) contend with all those feral hogs. That's a lot of the conversation that's happening now. We have a lot of listeners out there in Minnesota. So folks, stay safe. Let us know your experiences. And as a listener pointed out previously, no, the bacon is not good. So just do be aware of that. Just a little radioactive, right? It's probably fine. (laughs) No, no. There there was another story recently about a pig-like species, but it's not a pig, but they were invading golf courses. Do you guys remember something about this? Oh, well, that's when there's a real problem. Once that they start getting into the golf me. courses, yeah. That's gator country, golf courses. They need to respect the ecosystem. Uh, I don't think I even wrote it down in my list of articles here. 
Mm, never mind. It's not even worth the mention because I can't. I can't think of what it was. They're not pigs. They're pig-like, and they were eating up golf courses. And it was a whole invasion deal, kind of like the super pigs thing that's going to happen. Um, I guess he's just got it. Just gophers. No, I'm just joking. I was just thinking of uh, what is it, Caddyshack about the those uh, pesky gopher. Well, one thing we can say that we're all uh, very fortunate for right now, at least, is that. An invasion of feral pigs will not affect uh, affect you if you are in the air, right? Because pigs yeah. can't fly quite Yeah, yet. they won't affect you in the air. They're called javelina. That's javelina. the type of creature. It's in Arizona, and they're destroying golf courses. Okay, let's jump to the skies. This is reporting coming out very recently uh, as of I'm gonna, the one I'm going to look at primarily is an NPR article from November 10th. I'm going to take you back a little bit further into October to start the story. On Wednesday, October 4th, a plane took off, as planes do, from Stansted Airport in London, and it was on its way across the ocean to Orlando, Florida, to the international airport there. Now, as this plane is beginning to take off, it's just uh, getting up to altitude, cruising altitude, the people on board noticed something a little weird. It was a lot louder than usual inside the plane. Hmm. And it seemed to be a lot colder than usual while inside the plane. And they were trying to figure out what was going on. Now, this is very important before we get too far. This is a large Airbus plane that can carry hundreds of people if necessary. I think 170 passengers if it was full up. On this particular flight... There were only nine passengers and 11 crew members on this flight. And they were mostly passengers, or they were all passengers of this particular events company that has not been named, at least I haven't seen it named. So it was like a small chartered flight, basically, of a large plane to go from London to Orlando. So this small group of people hear this weird thing. They're experiencing the cold. Um, one of the crew members goes to the back of the plane because everybody's seated kind of near the exit, the primary exit seats there across the wings. You know what I'm talking about, guys? Yeah, of course. So most everybody is up there. It's a tiny group of people. One of the crew members goes to the back and notices something that you don't usually see on a plane. You guys think about the windows that you've seen if you've ever flown on a plane. You've always got, if you're sitting in the window seat in particular, you notice that there's a pane of material like glass, right? And then there's a space, like an air pocket, mm -hmm. and then another pane on the outside, right? Hopefully. Yeah, well, theoretically, they noticed that one of the panes on the outside was just flapping, just <laughs> as they were reaching 13,000 feet in the air. And they're like, uh, guys, this is probably not right. They continue checking out the plane. They're like, we, this is a safety hazard. This isn't good. We're, you know, as we're raising up, right, that plane is pressurizing more and more and more. Mm -hmm. And if it gets too pressurized and there's not the safety of those two windows, potentially, we've all seen the movies, guys. Yeah, Depressurizing everyone, everyone, everyone gets sucked out of the emergency <laughs> exit, like in Fight Club, you know? Well, you know, there's no way to predict exactly what could have happened if they would have continued rising up into the air to that cruising altitude of probably 30,000 feet, but it probably wouldn't have been good. So what they decided to do is turn around and head back and land again before, you know, they continued on their journey. Well, when they landed, guys, 
they found some pretty disturbing things. Not only was there that one exterior window pane that was dislodged and flapping in the wind, there were two exterior panes right next to it that were completely missing. Jeez. <laughs> What's going on? We have a gremlin? I don't, right. Well, is the, it, was it, so what, this was all, um, so the reports are saying four in total windows compromised. Is that correct? Yes, there was a, there was a fourth window that was also compromised. That was, again, while they were on the craft, they could only really observe that one issue with that one window pane. Mm-hmm. And if it wasn't, if it was uh, completely dislodged and removed from the plane the way the others, the other two were, and then the third one that was uh, also, I think, missing was like further down on the plane. They wouldn't have been able to observe the problem at all. They would have just heard the loud sound, which was described, by the way, in the official reports as um, capable of damaging hearing. Like it was that loud. Oh, that's a real flappity do. Okay. Well, well, it was just yeah, that's a flappity do. Flappity gibbets. No. Yeah. So I mean, but just probably from the frequency of it, right? Because I mean, the, the pressure and wind outside, absolutely insane. Oh yeah. Yeah, but but it, I guess my point is they wouldn't have noticed if that one wasn't still hanging on for dear life, right? Ooh. Or they wouldn't have been able to make that determination oh, as quickly. I, I thought that immediately. The other ones that were missing, depending on how clear these are, you might not clock that there was not that outer layer unless there was something amiss or mm-hmm. something that you know tipped off what was going on, like that sound and that visual. Absolutely or unless correct. you did some kind of pre-flight check, maybe. I'm just, that's, you know, exactly- not an aviator yet. Not an aviator yet. <laughs> So that for me, uh, that's what this whole story is about, right? Um, don't the pilots, the, there's usually a team of uh, two or more pilots that are on a flight, especially a commercial flight. Again, this is more of a private flight than a commercial flight, even though it's on a commercial craft. But still, the standard practice is for one of the pilots to do a full walk around on that aircraft all like on the tarmac before they take off anytime, anywhere that is standard practice for any airline. doesn't matter who you are. That occurs. How did it get missed? I, do, I don't know. I don't know how it got missed. Gosh, I feel like I'm jumping ahead too much guys. Let me just give you a little more of the detail here of what occurred or at least what was found after they landed. Cause this is important stuff. That aircraft was used in the filming of some kind of video content unsure really what it was it seems to be promotional content probably having to do with either a company or an airline or something because it does the plane does appear to have i don't know some kind of special paint job on it that's at least what it looks like to me maybe i'm incorrect there again some of the reporting doesn't give specifics on like what the company was that was involved in either the flight or the filming but There were these specialized lights being used in that filming to simulate the sun. So like imagine uh, sitting in an aircraft, like in an airplane like this, like when you would take with Delta, for instance, for anybody, you know, in the U.S. or American Airlines sitting in that aircraft, then having a simulated light source outside that's supposed to mimic like the sunset or the sunrise, right? Coming in at a specific angle. But, but not like necessarily the like temperature of the sun, right? We're just talking more. <laughs> I just know because I mean, I, in my mind, I'm immediately like thinking like it's melted the glue on the window bushings or whatever the hell you want to call them. <laughs> well, it's not the temperature of the sun, but these are particularly hot, very bright lights 
The name of them, at least as mentioned in the official reports, is a Maxibrute 12. Okay. Um, I, I wasn't proposing that a, a light on Earth could could meet the, the temperature of the sun. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, the max surface temperature of these lights. So the the uh, and actually, let's let's make sure I'm even saying this right, Alexis, because this is film lighting. But the maximum surface temperature of these lights, that means like I think if you touch the light itself is 200 degrees Celsius. The ambient temperature is about 45 degrees Celsius. And we just talked about like that 40 to 45 degrees Celsius thing we were discussing photosynthesis. Um, that's a, what what was it, Ben? It was like 116, 120 something degrees around that. Uh, 200 degrees Celsius is like 390 something Fahrenheit, just under 400 degrees Fahrenheit. But the ambient temperature, so like the temperature that's, and again, Alexis, correct me if I'm way off base here. I'm looking for you in the chat or on mic. Ambient temperature of a light like that would be the temperature that the air essentially gets around it or anything that that light is hitting. Right, Whatever depending on the distance. Touches. Well, <laughs> yeah, D- depending on the distance from the actual light source. On a maxi brute. Yeah. I've never really thought about the ambient temperature of a maxi brute, other than to tell actors not to touch it. But yeah. you would have it so far <laughs> away from any talent that because they do get really hot. But like all tungsten lights, like that, get super hot, which is especially like the bigger, like heavier wattage ones. Oh, yeah. So I'm not sure. But I yeah, they get re- like they can burn you. Like I tell my students also not to touch them because they can burn you. Side note, and you don't have to answer this, Doc. Uh, how often do you find yourself having to tell actors not to touch things that are hot? <laughs> <laughs> well, and I don't know how much in depth you all want to go about lighting and set lighting right now but i mean tungsten lights are getting a little bit less common as leds leds which are are, cooler and last longer yeah but they also have like more of like a clinical Mm -hmm. look to them compared to tungsten lighting because tungsten is actually you know on fire like the filament is on fire yeah i I have a little lighting kit that i bought years ago like you know like a lowell or something like that and even like the key light on it it looks like the stove like it looks like the rings on an induction (laughs) stove like it's and it's it's surrounded by a cage but even if you put your hand close enough to it yeah it'll burn you like a car cigarette lighter yeah Yeah, you have to wear gloves like we have like Mm -hmm. specific gloves that we wear even like to adjust the barn doors for example to go on the front of the light but like you have to turn it off and let it cool down before you move it or you have to use these hot hand uh, gloves because they get super hot and we definitely I feel like most actors at this point probably know not to get too oh, close good, to them good, and especially good. with something like a maxi brute you wouldn't really have that near talent like usually mm-hmm. when we use maxi brutes they're like way up top somewhere well, and Matt in this case the talent is the plane so I guess that well, maybe maybe they're not as concerned about the, the distance because there's nobody like out there close by to maybe put their hands on it well the, the talent is inside the plane right mm-hmm. so the plane in a way is your set so okay, got it, got it, got you're it. lighting the set and in this case a maxi brute, which let's just describe it, guys. It's got um, three of these tungsten lamps across the top, right? And that's the first row. And then it goes down with those three lamps. Uh, I think it's four lamps. So three, 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 right? And these are all very warm. And on the set, there were at least six of these maxi brutes functioning simultaneously to simulate the sunlight. And according to maxi brutes, like the the actual official uh, literature for the maxi brute it needs to be a minimum of 10 meters away from anything that's being lit so the object that that light is hitting 
In this case, it appears that these lights, these six crazy powerful lights, were closer than 10 meters to the plane itself. So not the actors weren't closer than 10 meters, but the plane itself was closer than 10 meters. Question. Yes. Is it possible that the is it possible that during the filming of this thing, some of those outer panes could have been removed for any reason and then inserted, reinserted incorrectly? That doesn't strike me as a particularly removable part, though. Like, it seems like it would be bound with some serious adhesive or like, I, I just don't know how easy it would be to just to pop those off. I, my, my initial impulse was like, there was some adhesive that was melted or, or damaged. According to the report, there is foam or a lot. I mean, just imagine like a sealant, right? Like mm-hmm. sealing foam. There was foam that was melted found on the plane where it, that thing that should have kept it on there didn't keep it on there. And super important fact, in a later runway inspection of that Stansted airport, a shattered window pane was found just on the runway. So it it seems likely that the scenario here is that during filming, it melted some of the components of those exterior windows where that light was hottest. And then somebody missed during an inspection after the like, it wasn't even that long after the filming that they ended up flying that plane. Oh, gosh, I might get it wrong. I don't want to get it wrong. But it was imagine filming at night and then sometime the next day flying out from that airport. And Matt, I was looking up on Cinelight.com, this this device, and it comes in a range of 4,000 watts to 24,000 watts. Did you mention the wattage already of this one? They're basically like a set of 1,000-watt tungsten fixtures, and you put them in an array. So their wattage is based on how many of the actual lamps you have on that array. You have, for example, uh, maxi brutes that are 9,000 watts because they're 9,000 watt fixtures connected on a mm-hmm. grid together, basically. And you can just keep adding them to get more and more wattage, depending on what you need. So the, these are, it's an array of 12 per light fixture or light, I don't <laughs> per light that was being used, right? And then there were six of those. So 12 times six, that's your like ultimate wattage that you're getting there. But no depressurization. Oh, no depressurization on the plane itself while it was while it reached up to 14,000 feet. But who knows what might have happened if it had continued on, right? The big question is what would have happened. Guys, there, there's so much more to cover here, but we, we have to move on. The big deal is nobody caught this thing during an inspection, which is crazy. There are so many pre-flight checklists that every plane has to go through, but they're primarily done by the crew and specifically the pilot team. That is done from the cockpit, right? Checking systems. It's not, ne- it isn't necessarily checking the plane itself, like the exterior of it. That's done by the single pilot that usually gets out and looks on the tarmac. But guys, there's this whole, this is stuff that I didn't know. And Ben, as you go on that journey to get your pilot's license, it would be really interesting to delve into this a little more because there's, there's stuff that's being done right now where imagine if you take your car in right to the shop. You've got like a certain mileage that you're going to get specific things done, like a tire Chin-ups. rotation, yeah, sure. oil change, all that stuff, right? Well, with planes, they've got a pretty similar maintenance schedule for like when it actually has to go into a hangar and you got to spend hours and hours, if not days, inspecting that plane to make sure it's flight ready. Delta, like we're going to shout out Delta because they're kind of the Atlanta company and that we're all aware of. And we've got some friends and family that work with that uh, company. They're doing something really interesting. 
in attempting to replace a lot of the human hours that go into the maintenance and inspections of planes, uh, replacing it with drones that actually like do a, imagine a huge 3d scan of an airplane to make sure everything is intact and in working order. I thought that was a really cool tidbit of information, but it's also see, but here's the thing. Would you guys feel more comfortable knowing a specialized set of human eyes that flies planes on a regular basis, looked at that plane, inspected it before you took off, or if a drone used its internal systems to scan it? To be honest with you, man, I think that that Pandora's jar has already been a bit unscrewed. A lot of commercial pilots are kind of there to help human passengers feel the same thing you're describing, like a human is in charge of this. The the human pilots use a lot of software, right, uh, to, to get a plane in the air. And the real art of it with commercial aircraft is landing the thing, right, or being on hand if something goes wrong. So I, it makes sense from the company's perspective to use drones. But to your point, it also makes sense, especially in the inspection stages, to uh, – for a company to lean into that and say our craft are inspected by actual people every time we fly. <laughs> yeah. Last thing I'll say, dude, if you drive a car, by the way, you are supposed to, and no one enforces this, but you're supposed to give yourself a four point check on the exterior of the car every time you drive it. Yeah. Every time. Oh my God. Well, that's why the, um, wait, you guys don't do that. Well, it's kind of it's weird because it's become like a three or two point inspection now because of the systems like the tire pressure gauges that are now that now exist that are supposed to be smart and will alert you of things like that. Mm-hmm. But come on, man, you can't trust those all the time. I, I've so I've I, my old car would give me false readings all the time and I, I had to replace oh, the, the uh, sensors. sensors go bad all the time for sure. Anyway, just I, I have a sensor on my car that uh, even right after like I'll you know, fill the tires up and reset it. And it comes back on every time, but I, I've just refilled it and it's a brand new tire. So it's like, yeah, is that on my priority list to get that sensor fixed? If I'm actually keeping an eye on my tire pressure, probably not. But for some people, they might not be keeping a close eye on their tire pressure because they depend on the sensor. Well, just look out for all this stuff. Uh, keep your eyes on those windows next time you're in flight and don't think about this story. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. Rev up your thrills this summer at Cedar Point on the all-new Top Thrill 2. Drive the sky on the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch vertical speedway. And now, for a limited time, get more Cedar Point fun for less with our limited-time bundle for just $49.99. Get admission, parking, and all-day drinks for one low price. But you better hurry, because this bundle won't last long. Save now at cedarpoint.com. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast from Ruby Studio in partnership with Intel. Explore the future of technology that's rapidly evolving our world today with the help of AI. There's still so much work and research needed to fully understand the power and potential of AI. And Intel is at the forefront of implementing AI and revolutionary technology that's changing the world we live in for the better. In each episode, Graham interviews the minds transforming medicine and healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more 
while pioneering new uses for AI in these spaces. So tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. And we're back. Um, hey guys, you guys want to have a pizza party? Usually, hey, it's are we the, firing uh, everyone? It's the no, best no. way to fire everyone in a company. It would appear so. Uh, keep your eyes on YouTube for that Easter egg to uh, to pay dividends. Um, but speaking of paying dividends, Domino's did that entirely by accident in the form of one of these larger than life promotional things. You guys remember like endless shrimp at, at uh, Red Lobster? Oh yeah, Lobster Fest. I have Lobster a couple Fest. of avant garde sketches about that. Also, shout out endless breadsticks. Olive Garden. Endless anything. We know there's finite amounts of this stuff. For sure. Um, The Internet Today fellas uh, did this story that I'm about to talk about, but they they, they referenced uh, how Red Lobster's sales have been, or their foot traffic, rather, has been up like 4% year over year, but their sales are down like $10 million (laughs) and something because of all the free shrimp they're giving away. So- uh, this story is not about free shrimp. It's about free pizza and Domino's, you know, in the age of like clever social media marketing campaigns and all of that, uh, came up with something called emergency pizza. Um, it was a promotion where you get a code and it's sort of like wimpy. It's like, I'll gladly pay you Tuesday for a hamburger today. Only it's more like I'll give you a hamburger Tuesday and I'll give you this voucher today. Um, and, and it was a code like a code that you could redeem online because more and more people are ordering their pizzas online. They want you to use these apps. You know, it's all of this, this way of keeping you kind of in this, uh, you know, proprietary ecosystem that these companies have. Um, and someone mis- made a mistake somewhere along the way. Someone made a little oopsie. And apparently these codes were uh, good for indefinite use, even <laughs> by a single person. No. <laughs> yeah. Well, so, not anymore, right? Oh no, no! They've they've, they've shut it down. Shut uh, it down. No B- fun. Burn it. Burn it down. Um, yeah, uh, emergency. The emergency pizza program failed spectacularly when um, some 
eagle-eyed redditors and instagrammers and people that like there's all there's a whole community of people that share coupon codes online and there's like websites that you can go to to get the coupon codes and you know, there's even like uh i believe services like honey honey doc, is honey, honey yeah. yeah where it'll like automatically apply a discount code to your um your uh, shopping cart like if you're doing online shopping or whatever it might be uh so this is one of those and uh, yeah somebody a guy named wario 64 which is fun um who is apparently a uh, a deal sharer on X. I'm just going to start saying it. I'm just going to say Twitter. On Twitter, um, he shared this code or, or a screenshot of the code being applied, um, proving that, yes, in fact, you do get a free pizza with this code. But then that code was passed around the internet. And, like, you know, I have seen that is sort of the way these deal things work is maybe you find one of these codes online, maybe it'll work for you, maybe it won't. They must have some sort of number attached to it, like you can only be used so many times and there has to be a new code generated. But apparently no such safeguard uh, was involved in this promotion. And um, workers, employees at Domino's Pizza franchises across the country reported individuals coming in with like 10, 20, 30 pizzas at a time. Um, creating just absolute chaos in the form of long lines, backed up order queues, all the hits. Um, and to the point where like, there's a really great quote from Domino's management. A lot of this chatter, by the way, took place on apparently, I don't know if it's official, but there is a Domino's employee subreddit uh, where folks from across the Domino's franchise world can communicate and i don't think it's inherently like negative it's just like here's stuff that's going on be on the lookout for this whatever um here, here's what came uh from a text actually this is not on the subreddit but we'll talk about that in a minute to an employee saying uh well from one of the managers quote don't make any free pizzas cancel them as soon as one pops up on the screen check and see if it's a free emergency pizza if it is cancel it asap um, but somehow this thing was able to run rampant for like a long time. And, and some employees on the, uh, the subreddit were saying how um, it eventually became really suspicious. So like one uh, employee looked at like order queues and you can like place future orders for pizzas like you can schedule them. Uh, and people were placing scheduled orders for pizzas like for weeks ahead using the same coupon code. Dude, pizza in perpetuity? Yeah. Amazing. I mean, what a deal. What a That's steal. the real PIP, isn't it? Uh, it, it would seem so. Um, so, yeah, apparently managers were just panicking and messaging, you know, employees and uh, folks up in the, the C-suite, the, the D-suite, whatever, um, were not particularly helpful or receptive. They didn't really have a plan for this. It was obviously... It originated with them, and this is exactly the kind of, like, you know, ham-fisted promotion that when it goes badly, who suffers? It's the employees who aren't making that much money, who are the ones who are dealing with angry customers coming in, angry that their pizza, free pizzas aren't ready. Apparently, some uh, stores took to calling customers and saying, I'm sorry, we're not going to fill your order. Um, the, the person that, that commented uh, in the Kotaku article by Zach Zweizen, um, that they, they interviewed this, this fellow, I think this actually was a, specifically a DM a question and answer session with this guy, said that um, generally people were not like enraged when told their pizza orders were not would not be fulfilled because they kind of knew they were doing something wrong after a point where they'd already gotten like you know I mean you get one free pizza that's wow that's great free anything is great but then the same code works again and then again and again I mean come on folks at some point you're just being greedy 
I mean, how much pizza can you really eat? Like, you guys order a large pizza in recent times? I mean, even if you got like a family, you know, that stuff ends up in the fridge. And I like to freeze it, actually, so that I don't, you know, midnight snack uh, fat kid eat that stuff. Um, so it's very weird. It honestly seems more like a flex than it is like, we're going to actually eat all this pizza. Where, where are they? What are they doing? Are they reselling it like on the street? Like, I just got to wonder. You could send it to different addresses. That is something that that's like a little bit of act, activism, digital uh, Gertia tactics people have used in the past. Order like a bunch that. of people. That's uh, sort of the opposite. Order a bunch of pizzas to someone's address. Yeah, but that's like the opposite, though, because these are free pizzas. That that whole grift only works if the folks are on the hook to pay for them. That's sort of the prank, right? Is that you order a bunch of pizzas and like uh, the bill's $200. But if you're sending them free pizzas, it's more like, hey, free pizza. That's more Yeah, like that's a- the grift part is sort of the Sith Lord or Dark Side version. But the um, the Discordian charitable yeah, version this is a spin would be no, giving like free pizza to people I, who need it. I do it, like that. Which was Domino's original idea. Unfortunately, Whoa. it just backfired. I blame student loans, man. <laughs> sure. For sure. I, I, I do hope that some of these bros carrying, you know, armloads of pizzas were going out finding unhoused people and just giving them tons of pizza or like setting up like tables, you know, in, in places where there's a lot of like uh, traffic for, you know, unhoused people and like, you know, just giving away free pizza. I'd be cool with that. That was not reported on. I kind of doubt that happened. Seems like the people that would uh, capitalize on this kind of exploit would not be folks that would be thinking about that kind of thing. But I don't know. Um, um, there's no number in the article um, that we know of yet either that uh, indicates just how much money Domino's lost on this. From the reports, you know, hundreds of pizzas being, you know, sold, quote unquote, out the door in a manner of hours, probably quite a lot. We'll have to see. Um, oh, by the way, some of the comments on the employee uh, Reddit were very negative. Uh, one is Domino's is an awful company that is bad at basically everything. They don't know how to increase business because they don't understand what the problems are. No. This that's yeah, sick burn and, and probably accurate because if, if they're the ones that came up with this and then they let it run wild and absolutely make the lives of their already seemingly disgruntled employees a living hell, it does seem like they maybe could focus on other things uh, and not these kind of pie in the sky promos. Pie in the sky. Nice. Hey, pizza pie in the sky. Ben's uh, pun was so quick and, and, and sharp that it took me a second to even wrap my head around. It was your pun. Yeah, I didn't make it on purpose, though. It was, a, it was an unintentional pun, and you pointed it out. Group pun. Group pun. Can we do that? It's like a group hug? It's like group on. Mm-hmm. Ah, God group damn it, pun. I missed it again. I think I've got brain fever. Guys, I just went to dominoes.com. And there is a pop up on the front of the website. It isn't. It just pops up and it says, "Order now and get a free Domino's emergency pizza to use next time." Limit one <laughs> per customer. It reminds me of that. Um, it reminds me of that case. What was it? Leonard versus PepsiCo, where they had this advertisement for Pepsi points, and in the commercial, the implication is that if you if one amasses a large enough degree of Pepsi points you will be able to yourself buy a jet and some guy got the Pepsi points. Yeah. And Pepsi it, was like, uh, we don't actually have a jet. For uh, would it have been a Pepsi jet? Dang. It was a huge court case. Really? Mm-hmm. So it was just another case of over-promising and under-delivering. And I mean, I guess if it was, do you think they added that limit one per customer? That seems like the kind of thing that would always be in the boilerplate language for any deal like this. And, and, and honestly, do you think though that, 
they, because of that limit one per customer and the language, they could ultimately seek retribution from the folks that uh, exploited this, um, this boo-boo? It'd be a very bad look. It'd be difficult to even litigate that because yeah. then you have to you have to track down a code that could have been there are a thousand ways to spoof it right so yeah no way of tying it to an individual yeah mm-hmm. and pizza places i think pizza shops uh generally have a pretty good margin in comparison to other restaurants so like isn't that why if you go to any large pizza chain they're inevitably going to have a pop-up deal like matt you just described you get into there and then, you know, you go to Marco's or Little Caesars. Where are the other ones? Pizza Hut, Domino's. Mm-hmm. And and they'll they'll say, you know, oh, you're buying a medium pizza. Do you want a large pizza too? What about <laughs> some crazy bread? Or when's the last time you had chicken wings? You can't afford not to get the, the meal deal, honestly. <laughs> and, and that's right. frankly kind of true because if you look at what the price, you could, in some of these deals, you end up paying less for the mm-hmm. massive, you know, smorgasbord pizza deal than you would for a single unit of pizza. And that's by design because they want to move as much of that stuff as possible. They know what the raw materials cost. They know what the labor cost. One would hope, but the, the Internet Today fellows also pointed out when it comes to deals like this, especially with the Red Lobster example, where they're losing all this money, isn't someone doing the math somewhere down the yeah. line about, like, how is this going to shake out? Uh, for the bottom line. Guys, okay, I'm going to do some math for you right now. You ready? Yeah. I just tried to order a medium two-topping pizza from my local Domino's. According to uh, my cart on my website, that would cost me, as a customer, $16.49. Now, according to uh, what I'm seeing online, it only costs Domino's $1.30 to make a medium pizza. So, like, think about the margins right. of profit they're making each time they sell a medium pizza. <laughs> so, really, they're only losing – they're losing less than $2 a pop per medium pizza that they sold during that thing. But there's other costs involved, too. Right. The the labor, as we said earlier, I think that's one of the things we're, we're all very concerned about, the people who are already having really difficult underpaid jobs. There's that meme – that, oh gosh, that macro image that came out with a just flood of pizzas going down a chute. And the, uh, dom- did you guys see that one? I think it's no. in several of the articles. Um, yeah, but it, I, I, I can't remember the provenance of it, but it is illustrative of the problem. You know, whenever you look at a big business, you have to ask where their revenue is coming from and how much you know about the profit margins. Because, like, where are you most likely to eat popcorn in your house from your microwave? Or at a movie theater. (laughs) Where the markup is insane. Right, right. And there's a history to all of this. It reminds me, too, this is a little different, but it's just in terms of, like, businesses knowing how their models should work and if that even is being uh, honest, like the idea of I'm showing up to get my rental car and we don't have any rental cars. It's like a Seinfeld bit, but it's real. You know, and it's like, well, why did I make a reservation What's the point of the reservation if it's not actually managing the inventory that you have? And mm-hmm. maybe there's somebody higher up in an in organization like that could explain other, you know, mitigating circumstances that would lead to that. Maybe people not returning things or whatever. I mean, see also plane tickets, dude. Oh, like yeah. you, you buy a plane ticket now, you have to pay a premium to get a, quote, refundable 
plane ticket, because otherwise the implication is uh, that reservation may leave you SOL if they have overbooked the flight, which does happen, or if there are, you know, for instance, some dodgy windows. Cetera, why would they overbook the flight? There's a <clears throat> finite number of seats. Who's making that call? How is that allowed in whatever booking algorithm they have? I don't know, but it happens all the time. We got to stick with Delta. We got to get our medallions, you guys. We got to be like John Hodgman when he wrote that book. What did he get? Do you guys remember John? Uh, diamond up? medallions. Diamond yes. medallion. Uh, one day, one day. Well, um, I think we've, we've had our pizza party for the day. So let's hear some ads and then we'll be back with another piece of strange news. Rev up your thrills this summer at Cedar Point on the all-new Top Thrill 2. Drive the sky on the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch vertical speedway. And now, for a limited time, get more Cedar Point fun for less with our limited-time bundle for just $49.99. Get admission, parking, and all-day drinks for one low price. But you better hurry, because this bundle won't last long. Save now at cedarpoint.com. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast from Ruby Studio in partnership with Intel. Explore the future of technology that's rapidly evolving our world today with the help of AI. There's still so much work and research needed to fully understand the power and potential of AI. And Intel is at the forefront of implementing AI and revolutionary technology that's changing the world we live in for the better. In each episode, Graham interviews the minds transforming medicine and healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more while pioneering new uses for AI in these spaces. So tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring with access to over 6 million active hourly workers. Snag a job is the all in one solution for hiring high quality employees who can cover all your needs on demand, tempt to hire part time or full time. You name the position warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store, clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah. Snag a job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. And we have returned, folks. We're going to explore something that doesn't quite have an answer yet. And this is with a big thank you to a lot of people who have reached out through one medium or another to ask about what appears to be an escalating pattern. The question, are volcanic eruptions on the rise or is human civilization only able to notice them more often? Before we get into it, does anybody care to make an opening guess? Oh, Are gosh. They, yeah. 
No, I, I don't. I have no. I couldn't possibly. I'll go ahead and say there. They there are more volcanoes erupting. Just to give us a baseline. <laughs> there are. There are. And that's that's smart, Matt, because it also depends on what our time scale is. Right? Are we talking about more volcanoes erupting compared to 1950, or are we talking about more volcanoes erupting compared to the early formation of the Earth? You know what I mean? Let's go by hundreds of years. Let's go by centuries. All right. So recently, this became um, pretty important to a lot of people. As we were recording right now, parts of Iceland are being evacuated due to concerns about earthquakes that may preface a volcanic eruption. Uh, Part of Italy has also run into this issue The largest volcano in all of Eurasia erupted quite recently, spewing tons and tons of smoke that disrupted travel across across the Pacific Ocean. So we all know the Smithsonian, right? They make uh, all kinds of things. They're most famous for making museums here in the U.S., and magazines, right? And magazines, yeah. I, I, I should have said that too. I, I am subscribed. Uh, they also are super into volcanoes. Uh, the Smithsonian Institution created the Global Volcanism Program. It's a database of pretty much all the eruptions that humans can prove for the past 12 years thousand years and they're an excellent resource if you want to if you want to check out their website you can see a running tally of volcanic eruptions and you can get some pretty interesting numbers as well right now they're saying 46 volcanoes were in what they call continuing eruption status as of october 11th of 2023 that doesn't mean everyone is a huge barnstormer Right, some of them are just Earth's little little farts. They're little silent but deadly <laughs> parts of the this beautiful Gaia superorganism. You guys remember that Herzog documentary Into the Inferno? Yes, yeah. of course. How could I forget? Mm-hmm. It's just, it all is the Earth thing. screaming out in pain. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's strange because you know we've seen this happen before in 2022. Humans being great pattern recognizers said. Holy smokes, there is a coordinated series of attacks on U.S. food manufacturers, and that turned out to be um, more a consequence of people paying attention to isolated and not uncommon events. The question here is, I don't know, when I first started looking into this, I was full-on certain disaster was on the way. There was a study that came out in summer of this year that said, yes, volcanic eruptions are increasing. And I immediately thought something I think a a lot of our fellow non-volcanologists think, which is ring of fire, right? Not just the Johnny Cash song. Uh, (laughs) Do we all remember the ring of fire? It burns, burns, burns. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's all I remember. In in the world of volcanology uh, and uh, people who study tectonic plates, the ring of fire describes the land masses encircling uh, the sort of like the top three sides of the Pacific Ocean. And these places have a lot of volcanic activity historically. So there's long been a fear or collection of theories that a ton of eruptions in that ring of fire could signal 
other larger natural disasters, the kind of stuff that would trigger, for instance, fault lines like the San Andreas fault line, other phenomenal, in the worst way, <laughs> disasters such as typhoons, such as, um, oh, what is it? That geyser in Yellowstone, right? Triggering stuff like that because these systems are all interconnected. And it turns out that, I don't know. So I'm, so I'm reading a lot of sort of calm down things like uh, from Statista or Statista, uh, which recently, just three hours ago before we recorded, uh, released the following statement. A total of 30 countries, overseas territories, and departments have seen volcanic eruptions of all levels in 2023 so far. And they're pointing out that, yes, there are definitely eruptions, but then you go to, you go to things like a Mashable article by Mark Kaufman, who says that we as a civilization might just be noticing more and connecting patterns where patterns may not necessarily exist. Kaufman does an excellent job of pointing out some work from the Smithsonian and the GVP, which says basically this, hey guys, Earth is a volcanic place. Every single day, there's like 40, 50 volcanoes erupting to some level everywhere. We just don't notice all of them because a lot of them are in very remote places. So if a volcano erupts in an empty forest and no one's there to hear it, did it explode? Yeah, no one's there to be frozen, clutching their infant child in statue form to be viewed by tourists a thousand years later. Or practicing the sin of Onan, which is the fanciest way to say masturbating. Absolutely. Oh, embarrassing. Um, But no, we certainly hear about volcanoes erupting or uh, people living around active volcanoes and all of this stuff. But we don't hear often about catastrophic volcanic eruptions because those are just a little fewer and farther between, right? Like you can Mm -hmm. plot them on a historical graph and like, what are we talking? Dozens? Certainly not as, 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 as massive and deadly as like Pompeii and probably more than dozens. But what would you say, Ben, if we looked at like a thousand year timeline, like how many bordering on, you know, just decimating events are we talking in terms of volcanic eruptions? Ooh, that's tough to guess. Oh, you know what? Is. Let's get let's get back with that one maybe later in this week or the next because that is something worth diving in. We'll actually have to re-listen to our Yellowstone our, our Yellowstone episode uh, from how long ago was that, Matt? How many years ago was that? I have no idea. I yeah. was just thinking about Mount St. Helens, and that mm-hmm. was back before we were born. Mm-hmm. Can, can I just say though, I did look up list of volcanic eruptions by death toll, and it, it, it's it's a sizable scroll, but it's not pages and pages and pages um, mm. at all. Well, so, they're only counting human deaths. I know, well. but I'm just saying, like that's you know, we don't th- these things don't happen every day. Right, right. I mean, eruptions happen every day, but an yes. eruption is not necessarily a catastrophe. Correct. You could even we could even argue that these fiery farts of the earth are a good sign for the world. We'll be careful with that. We'll see why as we end this. But uh, the majority of planet Earth's surface is of volcanic origin. The Earth needs to churn out new rock and build new land masses. And that's why sometimes islands just surface in the middle of nowhere, in the middle of the Pacific, someone's sailing by, or nowadays someone's looking at a satellite, and they go, hey, that wasn't here before. You know what I mean? 
And surely, I, I imagine at this point, surely there's like a crack team of people who have a flag and they just go to that new island and put their flag down first. Let us know if you've ever been part, part of that crack team in case podcasting doesn't work out for us. Uh, we're real go-getters. Here's the issue, though. We, it made me think of our fracking episode um, and our, our exploration of fracking years and years back, which turned out to be correct. Um, the, the Earth being a connected, large system of processes, right? That all inter that all interact, right? They they are vulnerable to the efforts of humanity. So fracking can damage water tables. Fracking, in some cases, uh, may make conditions more favorable for an earthquake. The question then is: Is there any possibility that human action in the age of the Anthropocene? could be leading to increased volcanic activity. Right now, scientists are divided on that, which I think is double plus on good. It's not great. Mm. Not a great, cool thing. I mean, I guess in the same way that maybe plants are going to stop uh, making their own food, right? <laughs> like things are changing, not necessarily for the better. Well, that's that's a good question because that's something we we talked about in depth in the photosynthesis episode. Is this something that should be a reason for alarm is this being overreported? i don't know no matt what do you guys think yeah stop reporting on the volcanoes they're just doing their own thing man no i'm just joking the the iceland stuff is really scary when civilization is closer to you know the epicenter of where some of these eruptions are going to occur i don't know it's exciting volcanoes are exciting and they're not they're not even a fraction as depressing as most of the stuff that's happening in the news. So I say more volcanoes. <laughs> right. All right. Right on. Dude, you know, the, the highest human death toll volcanic eruption was much more recent than Mount Vesuvius. Yes. It was in the 1800s in Indonesia. I had no idea. Mount Tambora, 71,000 to 250,000 dead. Wait, really? Uh, yeah, mm -hmm. I'd, I'd never even heard of that. I mean, that's on me, but uh, it's referred to as the year without a summer. Yeah, wow. ring of fire. The sky went dark, you know. This stuff is real, and the problem is, similar to predicting earthquakes, scientists don't have a big window at this point, right? We can see which conditions may be favorable for an earthquake or an eruption. We can see what might be indicative of a future disaster, but we can't really predict it very far out and we certainly can't stop them there's not an eruption killer at this point it's very much that the humans are the prey in, in this natural process and right now uh to what you were saying that uh just 30 minutes ago as we actually this happened while we were recording iceland is predicting a significant likelihood of a volcanic eruption within several days in southwestern Iceland, and hundreds of earthquakes are shaking the region. We don't know what's going to happen. If you're a conspiracy realist tuning in in Iceland, let us know what's going on on the ground. Uh, I know we'd all love to visit there one day. Please be safe. Please do your best to alert your pilot if the window looks dodgy. Uh, please also Remember that the uh, people who work delivering and making pizzas, 
that are just like you and should not be the victim of untoward things. Uh, in the meantime, we hope this finds you well. Join us later this week. We're going to be diving into some very, very special events and a, and a sad, I think, a sad anniversary, too. Uh, happy Thanksgiving to everybody. This is also, uh, this marks this week marks 60 years since the assassination of John F. Kennedy. We have a very special interview on the way this Wednesday. Believe it or not, is it okay for us to say this on air? I think so. I'm yeah. excited. We are talking to a legendary actor, director, producer, activist, and an expert on the JFK assassination, none other than Mr. Rob Reiner. And uh, director of one of my favorite films of all time, This is Spinal Tap. Dude, that's going to be great. So look for it this Wednesday as you're hearing this, November 22nd. Do you know who killed Kennedy? If so, hit us up. We can't wait to learn more. Yeah, yeah. But you can you can use a fake name or use one of those email spoofer dealies or the very least of the VPN. Um, and you can find us on the internet to let us know. We are Conspiracy Stuff on YouTube, on Facebook, and on X, uh, FKA Twitter. Um, we're Conspiracy Stuff Show on Instagram and TikTok. We also have a number. It is 1-833-STDWYTK. Put it in your contacts. It might call you back if you choose to call it. When you do call it, you get three minutes. Give yourself a cool nickname and let us know if we can use one of your messages and your voice on the air. Hey, uh, if you don't want to do any of that, why not instead shoot us an email? We read every single email we get. Uh, send us the links, send us the photos, take us to the edge of the rabbit hole. We will do the rest. Conspiracy at iHeartRadio.com. Stuff They Don't Want You to Know is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Rev up your thrills this summer at Cedar Point on the all-new Top Thrill 2. Drive the sky on the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch vertical speedway. And now, for a limited time, get more Cedar Point fun for less with our limited-time bundle for just $49.99. Get admission parking and all-day drinks for one low price but you better hurry because this bundle won't last long save now at cedarpoint.com from bbc radio 4 britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip i thought in that moment oh my god we've summoned something from this board this is uncanny usa He says, somebody's in the house. And I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Attention, true crime enthusiast. Searching for a way to unwind after diving deep into the mysteries that keep you up at night? Look no further. Introducing Lazarus Naturals, your trusted companion for CBD relief. 
With a commitment to transparency, Lazarus Naturals oversees every step from farm to doorstep, ensuring purity and quality you can trust. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today and discover how CBD can help you decompress and recharge for your next investigation. That's LazarusNaturals.com. Lazarus Naturals. Your partner in unraveling the mysteries of true crime. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota.